Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series from the book of Isaiah with this message entitled, Sweet Jesus. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 63. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. This morning, I pray that you give us the right understanding of the person of our triune God. Lord, too long we thought of you as sweet God. It doesn't matter what we did, we thought that uh, your love covers everything. But we see a mysterious figure in this chapter. A blood-splattered person. Help us to understand who this person is. That we may relate to this person correctly. May we understand that our God is Savior. And our God also is Judge. We must relate to this God in one form or another. But praise be to God that you will save everyone who trusts in your Son, Jesus Christ, the only Savior of the world. But you will also judge everyone and every sin everyone committed. And that judge is also your Son. Therefore, O God, help us to know what we should do, how we should relate to your Son. Jesus Christ our Lord. Humble us, O Lord, that we may hear and do your good word. Your word is life. Your word is hope. Your word gives us light. Your word gives us joy. Your word drives away all misery and depression. Therefore, O God, we have come to hear your word. Speak to us, your servants, your church here, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there is a hymn that comes from this chapter, Isaiah 53. You heard of it. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Our God is marching on. Sweet Jesus. And with a question mark. That's the title. Sweet Jesus. I know a person uh, who believes in hug theology. Have you ever heard of hug theology? It originated in this church. See, we are famous because we gave birth to a theology called what? Hug theology. Hug theology says Jesus loves everybody no matter what you believe or do. Hug theology 
people, they sing, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus, what a wonder you are. How theology teaches that Jesus saves, but he never judges anyone. Therefore, saved people can sin all the more. Jesus and immorality. Jesus and lawlessness. That is their watchword. I looked for hug theology in the Bible, and I couldn't find it. In fact, the Bible opposes hug theology. You read Jude and Second Peter particularly. Let me read to you what Westminster Confession of Faith in the last chapter speaks about the last judgment. And listen to it. God hath appointed a day wherein he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ to whom all power and judgment is given of the Father. In which day not only the apostate angels shall be judged, but likewise all persons that have lived upon earth shall appear before the tribunal of Christ to give an account of their thoughts, words, and deeds, and to receive according to what they have done in the body, whether good or evil. The end of God's appointing this day is for the manifestation of the glory of his mercy in the eternal salvation of the elect and of his justice in the damnation of the reprobate who are wicked and disobedient. For then shall the righteous go into everlasting life and receive that fullness of joy and refreshing which shall come from the presence of the Lord but the wicked who know not God and obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ shall be cast into eternal torments and be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. I want to speak to you about, first about this, the appearance of this mysterious figure in Isaiah 63, 1 through 6. And then I'll speak about the identification of the mystery figure from the New Testament. And then I'll speak about the necessary relationship every person must have toward this mystery figure. The mysterious figure in Isaiah 63, 1 through 6 does not appear to be the sweet Jesus of hug theology. A watchman from the walls of Jerusalem sees a man coming from the direction of Edom. Edom in the Bible symbolizes the world that is opposed to God and his chosen covenant people. Edom was the embodiment of ceaseless 
constant animosity against Israel. Now let us turn to Isaiah 35, because Isaiah himself speaks about Edom and the judgment in the 34th chapter. And just read, I will read 5 and 6. My sword has drunk its fill in the heavens. See, it descends in judgment on Edom. The people I have totally destroyed. The sword of the Lord is bathed in blood. It is covered with fat. The blood of lambs and goats, fat from the kidneys of rams. For the Lord has a sacrifice in Bozrah. And a great slaughter in Edom. Let us turn to 137th Psalm and see what these people did when Jerusalem was being destroyed. 137th Psalm and verse 7. Remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. And turn to the book of Obadiah. That is after Amos and before Jonah. Only one chapter. And that whole prophecy is about Edom and its destruction. Which speaks in turn the eternal judgment of all those who are opposed to God. Obadiah beginning with verse 10. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you'll be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. And so on. So there it is, Edom. And God is opposed to Edom. This means God is opposed to every nation and every individual who is opposed to him. The one who comes from the direction of Edom, from the direction of its capital, Bozra, this watchman sees that this, the garments of this one who is coming toward Jerusalem is bright in color. And the watchman asks three questions. Who is this coming from Edom in bright garments? Second question, who is this robed in splendor, striding forward in the greatness of his strength? He is striding forward as a victorious warrior. He is a mighty warrior. Keep that picture in mind every time you sin, every time you think thoughts against this God Almighty. He is coming, having defeated and destroyed every enemy, which Edom symbolizes. He is striding forward, marching as a triumphant warrior. But he is also a mighty warrior. And then he asks a third question. Why are your garments red? Like one treading the winepress. 
That's verse 2. Isaiah 63. Edom means red. Bozra, its capital, means vintage. It appears to the watchman that the mysterious figure was treading a wine press full of Cabernet Sauvignon grapes. A wine press was usually a shallow pit with a hole on the side leading out to a, into a container. Grape clusters are cut and gathered and put into the wine press. And people trample on the grapes in the pit and the red juice flowed into the container through the hole on the side. The garments of those who trample the grapes would be splattered with the red grape juice. Wine press is here used as a symbol of divine judgment. The enemies of God are collected and dropped into the wine press to be trampled by this mysterious figure. Let's turn to the book of Joel and chapter 3 and verse 13. Swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, trample the grapes, for the wine press is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. This is not speaking about grapes. This is speaking about wicked people who are trampled. Turn to the book of Lamentation. That is right after Jeremiah. Chapter 1 and verse 15. The Lord has rejected all the warriors in my midst. He has summoned an army against me to crush my young men. In his winepress, the Lord has trampled the virgin daughter of Judah. You still think that he is sweet Jesus? Who then is this mystery figure? Who comes from Edom to Jerusalem? Who comes as a victorious warrior? Who is this who comes alone? Who is this whose garment is splattered with blood? The mysterious figure gives some answer. So let us turn to Isaiah 63. And let's study this answer of this mysterious figure. And verse 1, the last part of it, it is I. So this mysterious person is speaking in first person pronoun. It is I. Now if you read Matthew 14 and verse 27, you see Jesus in the night walking on water. And the disciples thought he was ghost. And he said, take courage, it's I. So here it is, he says it is I. Who is then this I? And he says, it is I speaking. So this person is to be known as a speaker. Speaking in Hebrew means one who announces, one who proclaims with all authority. He is characterized by speech. 
And he's introduced in Isaiah 59 verse 21 as one who speaks. An anointed one who is a speaker. Isaiah 59 verse 21 as for me this is my covenant with them says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my words that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth. So he's a person who has an especial ability to speak with authority. And Isaiah 50. Let me read verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue. To know the word that sustains the weary. That is, he's a speaker, he's anointed, and he knows to speak in such a way that will sustain the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. So he is the anointed speaker. Let's look at what he says. It is I speaking in righteousness. In other words, this mysterious figure is characteristically righteous. Even as the suffering servant is, was called my righteous servant. Isaiah 53 and verse 11. And not only that, he identifies himself as one who is mighty to save. That is, his strength to save sinners is unlike human strength. It is inexhaustible. You see, humans like us, we work and we get exhausted. But in the Hebrew, the word means he never gets exhausted. He never needs strength. He never gets weary and tired. Therefore, he can help the weary like us. Mighty to save. He is mighty to save any sinner. Mighty to save all elect sinners. And then he tells us in verse 3, I have trodden the winepress alone. No one of the creatures helped him. No man helped him. No man could help him. How can a sinner help him, the judge? Let's turn to Isaiah, verse 44. And verse 24, there is a passage uh, like this. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who has made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens. Notice the word alone. Nobody helped him to create. Who spread out the earth by myself. God alone created all things. Nobody helped him. God alone sustains all things by the word of his own power. You sit there and you breathe and you are sustained and supported by the strength of this great God. God alone redeems his people. And the truth is, God alone judges all his enemies. No one of the creatures could help him. 
He alone therefore saves and he alone will judge everyone who is opposed to him. And now he tells us very clearly what he has done. Look at verse 6. I tremble the nations in my anger. I made them drunk and I poured their blood to the ground. No more metaphor. Now it is reality. He alone trampled the nations in the winepress of his hot anger. This trampling is warfare language. And Isaiah uses it. Turn with me to 14th chapter, which is speaking about divine destruction of Babylon. Isaiah 14 and verse 19. But you are cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch. You are covered with the slain, with those pierced by the sword, those who descend to the stones of the pit, like a corpse trampled underfoot. And verse 25 of the same chapter. I will crush the Assyrian in my land. On my mountains I will trample him down. Sweet Jesus, with the dimples, he always hugs everybody, no matter what we do or what we believe. Apparently, he is not just sweet. He can also be bitter to those who oppose him. This mysterious figure trembles the enemies in his anger and wrath and in his vengeance. And the word anger is used two times in verse 3 and verse 6. And the word wrath is used three times. Verse 3, verse 5 and verse 6. And the word vengeance is used in verse 4. In other words, this figure is full of anger. He is full of wrath. He has taken vengeance against all his enemies. The blood of the enemies stained his garments. Sweet Jesus, what a wonder you are. You want to hug him? Do you think about who this person is when you sin? In his wrath, verse 6 says, he made them drunk. That's a peculiar expression in Hebrew. That means you cannot refuse the cup of wrath which is coming to you. He will make you drink it. That's the expression. Every sinner must drink the cup of his wrath. You cannot refuse it. His salvation is irresistible. So... Irresistible is his judgment. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 25, which you recently read, which speaks about God's wrath against all nations, all peoples who are his enemies. Jeremiah 25, 15 and 16. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I sent you drink it. Make them drink it. 
when they drink it, they will stagger and go mad because of the sword I will send among them. Turn to verse 28. But if they refuse to take the cup from your hand and drink it, tell them, this is what the Lord Almighty says. You must drink it! Teenagers, did you think about that when you disobeyed your father and mother? Adults, did you think about that when you did your own thing? Do you know that this mystery figure is wrathful? Wrath of God is the reaction of absolute holiness to evil. God acts always in conformity with himself in a passionate and aggressive concern for justice. He personally feels anger and wrath. Our God is not the impersonal, unfeeling God of Aristotle. A passionless, unmoved mover, a thinking it. God's love is more enduring than the mountains. And his wrath, his fury is more white hot than molten steel. Professor Oswald said that. Did you think about that? And then we read, My own arm, verse 5, the latter part, My own arm works salvation for me. And you can read a parallel passage in 59th chapter 16 through 18. Salvation is not a joint venture. God alone works salvation through his arm, the anointed servant. And now we are given why he has done this. An explanation in verse 4. Notice the first word, for, that is the explanation. That's the reason. Why did he do all this? This mystery figure did all this. He defeated all his enemies in order to fulfill his eternal purpose, which was in his heart. What is it? To usher in the day of vengeance and to usher in the year of redemption, the jubilee year of redemption that we read about in 61st chapter. It was his purpose from all eternity in his heart to defeat all his enemies and to set free the captives. As he defeated Pharaoh to set his people Israel free. Where there is judgment, there is also the obverse of it, which is salvation of his people. So you see both ideas in the scriptures. This mystery figure who comes from Edom to Jerusalem, whose garment is blood-stained, he is both Savior and Judge. Turn to Isaiah 61. The Anointed One says that his task is, verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. So he announces, he speaks authoritatively. 
He is righteous. He is mighty to save. And he is mighty to judge. He works salvation alone. He tramples enemies alone. He saves effectually and he judges effectually. Who then is this mighty figure, this mystery figure? Who is this savior warrior? Let's turn to the book of Exodus and verse 15 to get a little idea of who this God is. So we will stop having only a biased view of Jesus, a one-sided view of Jesus. Having just defeated Egypt, Egypt and Pharaoh, there is great worship. And listen to the song, Exodus 15, verse 3. The Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name, Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. And you see the same person in Joshua 5, verse 3, verse 13 through 15. Somebody with a drawn sword appears. And Joshua asks, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And he identifies himself as the captain of the Lord's army. Have you ever thought about that when you said sweet Jesus so let us identify him from the New Testament you know we find someone in Isaiah 53 remember that passage he's suffering servant described as arm of the Lord the righteous servant the justifier the one who died and rose again our glorious substitute and the New Testament identifies him as chapter 8 32 and 33, identifies him as Jesus Christ. To Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, we spoke about it before. He was the anointed one. He was the savior. And he was also a mystery figure. But the New Testament in Luke chapter 4 identifies him as Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit came upon him, Luke 3. And he went into the desert, led by the Holy Spirit. And he came to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. So this anointed one who reads the Isaiah scroll and says, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. So we know that mystery figure is Jesus Christ. Now let's take a look and see whether we can identify this mystery figure in Isaiah 63, 1 through 6. Turn with me uh, to the book of Revelation, the last book, and chapter 6. Let me read to you from verse 15 through 17. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, speaking about Edomites, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man, hid in caves and among the rocks 
of the mountains. They call to the mountains and rocks. Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and what else? And from the wrath of the Lamb. A very unique expression. The wrath of the Lamb. Because the great day of wrath has come. And who can stand? Now who is this lamb? Of course we are told in, in chapter 5 of Revelation. Verse 9. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God. The one who opens the seal is called the lamb. But he is slain. But he is alive. Or look at verse 12. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Or turn to chapter 1 of Revelation. Verse 18. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Who is this? That John the Baptist would introduce. Behold the lamb of God. Who taketh away the sin of the world. We know he is the lamb. Who took away the sin of the world. He is the lamb who pours out his wrath. Upon the sinners of the world. Who refuse to trust him. Who is this mystery bigger. Let me tell you. He is none other than. Jesus Christ, mighty to save and mighty to judge and trample every sinner under his feet. Turn to chapter 14 of Revelation and let's find out who he is. Let me read it to you from verse 14. And I looked and there before me was a white cloud and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man. And Revelation 1.13 identifies this person as Jesus Christ. With a crown. That means he is king. He is seated on the cloud. Let me tell you something else. What does he have in his hand? A sharp sickle in his hand. Let's come to verse 19. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes. Now that's not speaking about grapes, speaking about wicked people. And threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. And that is found in Isaiah 63 verse 3. Now they were trampled in the winepress outside the city and blood flowed out of the press, right? Rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 180 miles. This is the language, let me tell you, is not sweet Jesus. But it is the language that this same person who saves is also the person who will judge everyone who opposes him. Turn to Revelation 19. And here is a more clear picture that identifies this mysterious figure as the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Let me read from verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. 
Now that description is given to Jesus Christ in Revelation 3.14, faithful and true. With justice he judges and makes war. That is found in Isaiah 11, verse 4 and 5, speaking about the Davidic king. He alone will do all things according to justice. Then his eyes are like blazing fire. That is found in Revelation 1.14, a description of the glorious Christ. Eyes are like blazing fire. He sees all things, even your thoughts before you think. Then how futile it is for us to lie. And thinking that we will get away with the lie. And verse 12, let's take his eyes uh, and on his head are many crowns, means complete authority is granted to him. He is the one, the father subjected all things under his feet. Ephesians 1 and verse 23, many crowns. Then look at verse 13, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood that comes straight from Isaiah 63. Verse 3 and 6. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword. Now that is applied to Jesus Christ in Revelation 1.16. Sharp sword of his word. And he will rule them with an iron scepter. That's found in Psalm 2, speaking about God's son, the king. And then we are told that he is king of kings and lord of lords. And that is found in First Timothy 6, speaking about God. That he is God. Who is then this mysterious figure, I ask you? And the answer from the New Testament is that he is Jesus Christ, God's Son, mighty God, mighty Savior, mighty Judge, mighty King. Mighty to save and mighty to judge. Then we look at the scripture and find out what did Jesus say about this issue of judgment. Let's lead to the book of John chapter 5. Where he says this, beginning with verse 21, John 5, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, now here is an additional fact, what is it? The Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Let's turn to verse 28. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice, that is the voice of the Son, and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. And read Matthew 25, and you discover this great judgment of Jesus Christ, how he judges all nations. Peter Gives the same idea in Acts 10 verse 42 that Jesus Christ will be the judge. St. Paul gives us the same idea. Acts 17 verse 31 and 2 Timothy 4 verse 1 and Romans 2 16 says Jesus Christ is going to judge all. 
That's what I read to you from Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 33. There is a necessity for this final judgment. Because of God's sovereignty, there is only one true God who is the moral governor of this universe. And therefore, he must judge. Otherwise, he is no God. And we are told about judgment, that it is universal. Everyone who ever lived will be raised up and will be judged. And you read this, Matthew 25, verse 32, and other places. And the supreme aim of this judgment is the glory of God, who is the moral governor of this universe. If he refuses to punish every sin, either in Christ or in the person of the sinner, he is no moral governor. And what is the criterion for this judgment? It is God's revelation in terms of the law and the gospel. The agent of this judgment we learned to be Jesus Christ. There will be consternation and consolation. Consternation for any of you who will oppose him. On that day there will be consternation. And for us there will be consolation. And what is the result of this judgment of Jesus Christ? Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 and Matthew 25 verse 46. Let me tell you, everlasting destruction or everlasting life and glory. Yes. Finally, the third thing is everyone must relate to him. There is a necessity of relationship to this Jesus Christ. No one can say, I don't want to have anything to do with him. You must relate to him. You must choose him either as your savior or as your judge. Jesus is sweet savior, there is no question about it. But he is a bitter judge. That is, not that he is bitter, but he gives you bitterness of soul. The same person. Either you must see him as savior or you must see him as judge. Every sin of everybody. Listen to me. Every sin of everybody is either punished in Jesus or in the unrepenting sinner in hell. In a conscious and eternal existence away from the presence of God. Either one is saved by the spilled blood of Jesus on the Calvary's cross or the blood of the unrepentant sinner shall be spilled by Jesus the mighty judge who tramples them in the winepress of his holy fury. Either you are invited to the joyous magic supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19 verse 9. Or the birds of the air are invited to feed on the dead bodies of the unrepentant sinner. Revelation 19, 17 and 18. And you will be the bird's supper. Let's turn to this book of Revelation. Let me read a little bit to you about that invitation and the menu for the bird. 
Revelation 19 beginning with verse 17 and I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midday come gather together for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh notice of kings generals mighty men professors intellectuals scientists nations leaders of horses and their riders and the flesh of all people free and slave small and great you must come either to one supper or be the menu for the other supper the wrath of God is being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men but thanks be to God, St. Paul tells us, but the righteousness of God is also being revealed for everyone who would receive it by faith in Jesus. All are born sinners, and so all are objects of God's wrath. All are born enemies of God. But God poured out his wrath on Jesus Christ, our glorious substitute. Everyone who trusts in him will be spared of God's wrath and be forgiven of every sin and be justified forever and be invited to that magic supper of the Lamb as his glorious bride. Therefore, let me plead with you. I just told you about the appearance of this mystery figure. We identified him. From the New Testament as Jesus Christ. And then the thing is. Everyone must relate to him. Either. Trusting him as savior. And surrendering to him. Or resisting him. He becomes. Your judge. Therefore I plead with you. Repent. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This text tells us. He is mighty to save he will save you now tomorrow may be too late for you now is the day of salvation choose ye this day whom you will serve and it is my prayer that you will serve Jesus Christ mighty savior and mighty judge and on that day if you trust in him you will be justified there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to honor your Son by repenting of our sins and trusting him alone as our glorious Savior. Grant this mercy to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon for more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.